under the governor's newly issued edict, is what I call it, um, it would now be illegal for Jesus and his 12 disciples to meet. All right? Think of how ridiculous that is. Um, governor Walls would have to say, sorry, Jesus, that's three too many. Stopping this pandemic is way more important than you going out and preaching that gospel of yours. Um, I guess uh, they couldn't get one of the mega church pastors out here today, so you're stuck with me. Uh, a small-time house church pastor and uh, internet pastor from Princeton, Minnesota. So somebody's got to do it, so here I am. Um, the title of my sermon today will be titled, Governor Walls, We Will Not Bow. In this study, I'll be pointing out from Scripture that... Um, no government ever has the right to tell the church when or how it can worship, how many people can be there to worship. Um, never are they allowed to do that. Never are they allowed to uh, limit the amount of people that come in the doors. Um, not even during a so-called so time of emergency. Now, I'm not downplaying what's going on, but uh, oftentimes uh, emer an emergency like this can be abused by uh, by certain government officials. Um, anyways, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, point out from scripture that it is unlawful for that to happen. Uh, we know it's also unlawful, uh, according to the First Amendment of the Constitution, for the government to control the church. Um, and if and if the government ever does control the church, it is the church's job to stand the line and say. Uh, no more. You, we, we, you cannot uh, do that. Um, anyways, if you turn with me, if you have your Bible with, uh, I'm going to start out just by reading one verse from Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it reads, You shall make no idols, nor graven image, neither rear you up a standing image, neither shall you set up any image of stone in your land, to bow down unto it, for I am the Lord your God. Okay? Well, nobody does that anymore, right? Nobody bows down before images. We live in the, uh, you know, in the 21st century. But, um, you know, when you think about it, if somebody puts more trust in government than they do in Almighty God, that's making an idol out of government. Um, when someone trust their government to be their savior rather than our Lord Jesus Christ, that's making an idol out of government. That's idolatry. Um, and so th that's, oftentimes we see that's exactly what's going on today. Many people on the left, they put all their trust in government, but worse than that, they oftentimes try to force us to put our trust in government as well rather than in Almighty God. Um, we see they do it through various means such as socialism and uh, things like that. Um, a prime example of putting our trust in government would be what's happening right now. And it's, it's obviously not just with Governor Walls, um, but Governor Walls has, has asked us to put our trust and faith in, um, in his leadership during this time to uh, protect us from COVID-19. Um, and somebody said earlier that really ultimately 
our, if we want to get rid of a virus or a pandemic, um, we need to be putting our trust in God. That He's the one that can ultimately stop a pandemic. Um, anyways, uh, I'm going to turn over to um, a read of scripture here from Jeremiah 17, verse 5. For all those people that put their trust in government or in any man rather than in Almighty God, this is the message that Jeremiah the prophet had for the nation of Israel uh, long ago. He said, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. And that's what we're seeing all across our land today. People putting their trust in man or in some system rather than in Almighty God. And it was a very strong statement from Jeremiah here. He said, Cursed be he that does that. And we often don't hear people standing up giving strong messages like the prophets back in the Old Testament anymore or like John the Baptist from the New Testament. Um, so, it, again, it was mentioned earlier that uh, it's when we come to a point where the government says that um, church, or that abortion clinics are essential, you can go to Walmart, you can go to liquor stores, you can now even go to the big candy store, but you cannot have more than 10 people gathering together to worship God. Um, that's... Uh, when it, when, it, when it gets to that level of control, it's time for the church to step up. Um, I mean, after all, we are, are, if we live up to our model as one nation under God, um, that's what we should all be thinking right now anyways, is this, we should be trusting in God to get us through this, not relying on government officials. And alarmingly, what we see going on, not, again, not just in Minnesota, but in other places controlled by liberal Democrat governors, um, it's starting to feel like we live in China rather than America. And that's, uh, that's strange. It's strange. I never thought three months ago that something like this could happen so fast. Um, but you know, I can hear it right now. Someone might say, well, I don't need to go to church to worship God. I don't, I don't know mind... I don't mind obeying the governor's edict. And that's true. You know, Jesus says, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And, um, and another would say, my church isn't shut down. We're holding online services. And that's great, too. I've been teaching the Bible online for about 10 years now, and it's a wonderful tool to reach people with the truth. But what would happen if the what would happen to the church if the internet platforms like YouTube, Facebook, and Google started censoring what you say uh, and labeling teachings from the Bible as hate speech? Well, um, how are you going to spread the gospel then if you can't even leave your house or gather with a group of more than 10 people? It gets to be a little bit difficult. But I might, I might say, well, hey, hey, many of you might be thinking, well, that's already happening. It is. YouTube's already pulling down videos. Facebook, vi uh, vi videos they don't like. Um, Google has limited algorithms, or have manipulated their algorithms to, um, to favor things that uh, fit their agenda and so on. So I've been asked to keep this short because it's raining. I'm going to try to, I might have to skip through some of my thoughts here, but um, you know, the, the, 
bottom line, the, the, the 2,000 year old method of meeting together in person is the surest way for uh, Christians to be able to get the message out. Um, you know, again, through platforms like YouTube, Facebook, um, someone from the big tech company, all they have to do is type a few keystrokes key and you're done. They shut you down. But if, uh, we're, if you're meeting together in person, they got to send somebody out after you and that gets a little bit more complicated. Um, anyways, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 speaks of the necessity of gathering together in person with the Christian body. And it says, uh, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. In other words, in person, getting together in person with fellow Christians becomes more important as we get closer and closer to the time of the end until the time when Jesus returns. Um, I'm not going to go through all the benefits of uh, meeting in person, but think about this. Under the governor's newly issued edict, is what I call it, um, it would now be illegal for Jesus and his 12 disciples to meet. All right? Think of how ridiculous that is. Um, governor Walls would have to say, sorry, Jesus, that's three too many. Stopping this pandemic is way more important than you going out and preaching that gospel of yours. The maximum gathering size is 10. So you'll have to limit your disciples to nine. But, but don't worry, Jesus, I'll let you go shopping at Walmart, and you can even go get candy at Minnesota's largest candy store. And don't be upset about this. Just be thankful I'm letting you do that. By the way, keep your hands off those strangers. I don't want to see any more dangerous healings going on. If you keep breaking social distancing, I'll have you arrested. Okay? And it sounds ridiculous, right? But that really is the scenario that we're under today. Um, and, and by the way, we have Pentecost coming up, Pentecost Day. Um, if those early Christians were too afraid of the government to meet together, uh, they would have never had the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit, and the church would never have been born. Um, I'm sure God could have figured out a different way, but the point is, uh, this, this stuff's important. Um, but, but so we'd be, we'd be a little bit naive to think that when we surrender our right to worship God, to assemble with uh, as many people as we want and, and decide for ourselves what's safe and what's unsafe, if we're, we'd be a little bit naive to just think that if we surrender that right to any government, especially a liberal one, that they're just going to benevolently, benevolently give us those freedoms back. Okay? Oftentimes when government takes power, they don't want to give it back. Um, so, anyways, I'm trying to, like, I'm saying anyways here because I got a lot more to say and I'm trying to keep this short so I'm deciding what to skip as I go here. Um, but anyways, think about this. Liberals often scream out separation of church and state while trying to keep Christians out of government. But when the state is controlling the church, like so many governors are right now, uh, they're okay with that. They believe their choice governors have absolute authority over the church to shut them down whenever they feel it is necessary. Whether it is during a state of an emergency 
or to silence, now listen to me closely, or to silence so-called hate speech, okay? It's already being done in Canada. Can't read Romans chapter 1 uh, without being uh, uh, afraid of going to jail for that. Um, but anyways, when I read the First Amendment of the United States Constitution, I cannot find that uh, kind of power invested in our government officials. And I read my Bible a lot too, and I don't find it there either, okay? In fact, Jesus says the opposite in Matthew 16, verse 18. He says, And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whosoever and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay. Curiously there, I didn't see Jesus mention any governor's name there. Uh, and I assure you, he hasn't been, you know, there's a, there isn't a governor here that has the right or the keys to open and shut the kingdom of heaven. Um, but Many of our governors think they have that kind of power now during a state of an emergency. Um, and I don't think we should be sitting back and allowing that to happen. And that's why we're here today, um, learning, standing here together and learning God's word. Um, you know, there, I know there are a lot of people that would like to see Christians shelter in place forever, never to come out again, so that they could just get on to building their wonderful, glorious, uh, globalist system, otherwise what people call a one world government. And uh, really ultimately that's what this is all about. This, that's the end game. Psalms chapter 2 talks about how the kings of the earth conspire together against Christ and his people. But I have news for them. We're not going anywhere. Daniel 2 verse 44 says, In the days of these kings, these pagan global world empires, whatever, whatever different kingdoms arise, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And that kingdom shall not be left to other people, it's not going to be left up to governors or anybody else, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces, the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof is sure. So with it belonging to a kingdom like that, why would we ever sit back and bow a knee to somebody commanding us that we can only have, uh, that we can't meet at all, or we can only be in groups of certain numbers. Um, so back here in the second chapter of the book of Daniel, God's kingdom, his church, is likened to a stone that smashes a great idolatrous image made of iron, brass, clay, silver, and gold, an, an image that symbolizes, when you go back and look at it, Antichrist's New World Order. The biggest big government ever. Okay, We hear a lot about big government. That'll be a big one someday. Now, uh, take your mind back to the beginning I, where I opened up with uh, the, the scripture from Leviticus chapter... Uh, well, I think it was... I better turn back there. 
Leviticus chapter 26, verse 1, about not bowing down and worshiping idols. Well, that's ultimately what that, that, I, that the stone that smote the image, that's ultimately um, what that image symbolizes. It symbolizes a one-world globalist system, a globalist government under the uh, um, direction of the Antichrist in its ultimate form. But, but my point is, that's an idol. That's the great worshiping government is the greatest idol mentioned in the Bible. You can find it also in the book of Revelation as well. Um, am I saying that's what we're dealing with right now? Well, I, I know that that's in the... That's in the plan, that's in the end game. But um, nevertheless, um, I will say this. S strangely, we don't hear many messages uh, related to this today. Uh, but we hear plenty, uh, I'm talking about, uh, um, well let me just back up a little bit. Daniel chapter two, talks about the church as being a stone that strikes the image, that, that great image that symbolizes all the kingdoms of the world. But strangely, we don't hear too many uh, sermons like that in, uh, in our churches these days, in the, uh, in the mainstream church. Um, and it's the ultimate destiny of the church, is to stand against uh, this idolatrous system. Um, and uh, you know, we hear plenty of salvation messages, which are great. It's one of the most important things. And, but we also get a lot of soothsaying, feel-good sermons these days that uh, rarely ever talk about the de ultimate destiny and purpose of the church, to stand against the kingdoms of this world uh, and oppose uh, the Antichrist himself, if that be in our, in our time or not. Um, but anyways... There are many examples in the Bible of civil disobedience. There is um, the time when uh, the Pharisees came up to Jesus and said, Hey, uh, you know, Herod's going to kill you. If you don't stop preaching out here, he's going to come and arrest you and get you. And, and Jesus responded in Luke chapter 13, verse 32 with, Go ye and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. In other words, Jesus was telling uh, the Pharisees to tell Herod that he's going to do the work of the kingdom today, tomorrow, and the next day, and there isn't anything anybody can do to stop him. Uh, there was another time when the apostles were brought before the authorities, and uh, in Acts chapter 5, verse 28, and they said, uh, the authority said to him, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in his name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and other apostles answered and said, now check this out, we ought to obey God rather than men. Okay? That is the all, that's, right? That ultimately, that should be in the mind of every Christian. Now, if, if a church feels like it's unsafe to be open, um, that's 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 fine for them. Okay, there's I, I have nothing against anybody if they want to keep their people safe. But our point is, is that's not up to the government. Um, we ought to obey God rather than men. Uh, you know, and then some people would say, well, you're supposed to. Uh, 
Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, right? And I totally agree with that. Let's follow civil law. Let's be good citizens. But we also need to tell Caesar to keep his damn hands off of the church. Amen. And um, I can think of another time. In Daniel chapter 3. In Daniel chapter 3. Sorry, I keep moving away from the mic. i got to stand real close. And then I can't see my Bible very well. But um, Daniel chapter 3, We uh, somebody touched on it earlier. The um, time when the three... Hebrew children were commanded to fall down and worship the golden image. Um, they resisted. They didn't give in. Daniel 3.18 says, Be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake, and commanded that they should heat the furnace one, si one seven times more than normal. Now think about that. People today, just like Nebuchadnezzar, get very upset when you don't bow down and worship the gods of uh, multiculturalism, diversity, political correctness, uh, all these gods that have gotten us in this mess in the first place. They get really mad. They say, you're not, you're not being tolerant. You're not being, you know, whatever. Um, but... You know, Daniel and, um, or not Daniel, the, the three Hebrew children, Daniel's buddies here, would not go along with the Babylonian agenda. Uh, and in verse 20, the king responded by doing this. He says, and he commanded the most mighty that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Well, later on, we, we, we found out that th those guys survived. Um, God sent the angel of the Lord in there to help them. And, um, but, but the end game of what happened when those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, took their stand and would not bow before the image um, is that the king had to change his edict. The king changed his edict. And I'm, I'm not even going to read what happened, what, what the reverse was. You can check that out on yourself. But the edict got changed to the benefit of God's people rather than um, the people of the opposite kingdom. Um, all right. Another example. I'm going to go over this real quick and then try to wrap this up. We're almost there. Uh, there was a time when Daniel himself refused to obey the king's commandment. In Daniel 6, 7, it says, And all the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Now check this out. That whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now it's interesting. Under this decree, no one could do anything for 30 days without a petition from the king. It sounds a little bit like uh, the orders we've been under here lately. Um, and, uh, but ours isn't just for 30 days. No, ours is 30 days at a time until the governor decides we're safe now. Um, 
And uh, verse uh, 8 of Daniel 6, it says, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Okay, so the king is feeling really good now. Uh, I mean, he's thinking, man, nobody can do anything except they get my permission first. It kind of feels like watch, when I'm watching the news lately. Uh, we, we keep getting our updates, uh, um, and, we're, and we're being told what, not, what we can now be able to do. Um, and, but what, what is Daniel going to do? Is he going to obey or disobey here? Okay. Remember, Daniel was told, you cannot go do anything for 30 days without permission from one guy, and that's the king. Can't ask your God for anything. You can't ask anybody for anything. Just one man, the king. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. So not only did Daniel disobey the edict, he disobeyed openly, just like we are doing here today. Um, then in verse 11 of Daniel 6, it says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying, making supplication before his God. Okay, so the neighbors are telling on him here now. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within 30 days, save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. So Daniel, is going, we know he's going to be thrown into the lion's den because he refused to accept uh, the edict that he, he couldn't do anything without permission. Um, uh, without the, he couldn't do anything without the king's permission for 30 days, and he couldn't even pray to God. Um, but in conclusion... What is alarming more than anything about what is going on today is how quickly people are willing to give up their freedom of worship and assembly over a virus. Think about that. They are just willing to submit to a false narrative, oftentimes pushed by the deep state, the fake news media, and so-called experts, and liberal governors without looking at the real numbers and the facts, okay? They live in fear every day. They live in fear every day, and it's alarming. It's alarming. How have we gotten to this point where people just blindly follow um, these forces that are trying to make us live continually in fear? And uh, it makes me think of the words of Jeremiah the prophet when he said in 12, uh, Jeremiah 12, verse 5, If thou hast rung with the footmen, and they have wearied thee, then how canst thou contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they wearied thee, then how wilt thou do in the swelling of the Jordan? In other words, Jeremiah says, if you faint now, what are you going to do when things get real serious? You know, I think about, how about the time when the Antichrist comes, forcing everyone to submit to his super one-world government? How are they going to resist him if they are living in fear now, not willing to make a stand? 
Um, you know, during the days of Elijah, things weren't that much different than today. You know, Elijah felt all alone, like he was the only one left standing up for God in the midst of a tyrannical administration uh, that was out to get him. If you remember, uh, Jezebel was chasing him down. She was hunting him down, and he was scared. And, uh, you know, so sometimes we feel like that. I'm not saying we feel scared, but sometimes we feel like uh, we're all alone, especially in the midst of a state that always seems to elect godless, liberal politicians. We, we feel alone. But I truly believe, um, and I'm going to close it up with this, I truly believe that God is raising up a remnant. I believe God is raising up biblically-minded people willing to stand up for the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Amen. Elijah wasn't alone, and neither are we. For God said in 1 Kings 19, verse 18, Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him, and I feel like I'm standing among that group here today as we gather together to tell Pharaoh Walls that we will not bow. Thank you, and God bless you.
message was a blessing to you if so please like share and leave your comments below we'd love to hear from you until next time my friends stay in his word every single day so that you can be a christian overcome